Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and today we have a pretty exciting podcast. Frank Ungaro is someone who just doesn't take no for an answer. I mean, this guy listened to, I think it was UFC 2, watched UFC 2, um, decides to go out and start learning jujitsu, proceeds to go get his uh, BJJ black belt, um, and he just runs his own life like that. Wait till you hear all the different businesses. He sent me a text, actually, after the show. All the different businesses. His wife runs flowersender.ca. He runs um, Brasa Niagara BJJ, which is uh, his Brazilian jiu-jitsu studio in Niagara. He started the Ugly Pike podcast. You can check that out at theuglypike.ca. Um, I'm going to mess up the wine app, but did my voice just crack? I think my voice is cracking there. The, the wine app is uh, Oino, O-E-N-O. How do I pronounce that? O Oino. I'm not sure. I think it's the Greek name for grape or something like that. O-E-N-O -O is the wine app that he started. Um, he even uh, talks about how he sold some equity in in, uh, in that app. So wait to hear that story. I mean, just an all-around good guy. Um, love his passion. He talks about some of his life, life philosophies. This is a guy that we've known for some time. He's been a rock star member actually for some time. Dove headfirst into real estate after listening to us um, talk about it. He came and checked us out, I think, three or four times, he describes. So, uh, you know, someone who just gets a bunch of information and then plows forward. Um, we would just do anything for this guy. I, I love talking to him. I love talking to Canadians who are just not willing to accept no for an answer and are willing to live life on their own terms. And he just kind of defines that for us. So I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this, uh, with this podcast. Um, we're just coming off the weekend where we had about 700 people at the Your Life, Your Terms event. These things started with 30 or 40 people. To, so now to see about 700 people all in one room together just blows our mind. Talking about like the global economy, um, GTA, real estate developments, Airbnb, crafting your perfect week, uh, joint ventures. I mean, we jam as much as we possibly can into those few hours. And the feedback that we get after those events really makes this worth continuing because those are a pain in the ass to put together. I don't want to kid you. Um, but uh, it's the feedback afterwards from everyone that really motivates and drives us to do the next one. So thank you for everyone who came out. Thank you for sharing that feedback for uh, to us. It really means the world to us. And if you're listening and enjoying this podcast, if you'd like to leave some feedback, that would also mean the world to us. So if you could go to iTunes and leave us some feedback um, on there, if you think we deserve it and have earned it, that would really mean the world to us as well on iTunes. Um, so uh, with that, I just want to mention one other thing, actually. Recently, we put together a report that compared the the cost of going to university against uh, buying your first rental property and mapping out which did which did um, more. Sorry, I can't even speak today. Which did financially better moving forward? So did the uh, going to the money spent going to university and then the average um, salary coming out of university and mapping that forward and comparing that information to buying one income property and seeing how that did financially. So if you didn't go to university and just took the money that you were going to spend on university and bought a rental property and how would you do financially? if you just sat around with that rental property for a few decades. So uh, we mapped those two things out. This was just a little bit of an exploration exercise for us. But if you want to look at the results of that report, you can get it at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university. We are not down on university, by the way. I went to university. I went to the University of Toronto. Definitely took a lot of good value from that. But it, we, this was just an exercise in like, hey, what really you know, how, how do they compare when you look at buying up a, a good income property against a university education? So you can check that out at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash university. That's it for now. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, 
and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. So, uh, okay, so we're live. So, Frank, what were you saying? Your, which fishing show were you on? Uh, we're just getting right into it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so there's a show called Fish in Canada, and it's in, for anyone who's ever gotten a hook wet, it's an institution. It's the biggest fishing show in Canada. And um, But you said on Saturdays it's the number one show in Canada? On Saturday mornings when they when they run, it's the number one show wow. in Canada on any network. I knew that's, I mean, I, obviously I know fish, I know some guys that fish, and it, like their lives revolve around their fishing. Yeah, right. well, join the club. Um, so yeah, we were. Uh, I sent them an email and asked them to be on our podcast, our fishing podcast, uh, the Ugly Pike podcast. And um, Angelo, the gentleman who is the co-host, said, uh, "You know, I'm busy. He's he's on the road all week, every week. But on Saturdays, he's in. I think we were in Orillia, and um, they're at their studio." And he said, come down and co-host the show. So he doesn't, they don't usually have co-hosts in the studio. I think that may have been the first time they did it. Uh, but they welcomed my partner, Chris, and myself. And we co-hosted. Why did they welcome it. you guys? Just because of the podcast? I have no idea. I don't know. I, you know why they do it. They heard your podcast? He didn't know who we were. And the, after like sort of talking with him after, I didn't get the sense that he really knew much about podcasting. But to our credit, we we were able to secure some very, very high profile guests and our download numbers are ridiculous. So back up for a second. You start this podcast how long ago? So about a year and two months ago. It's called the Ugly, Ugly, Ugly Pike Podcast. Ugly like Pike name. Podcast. Yeah, it's so a good name. the name is a translation. We fish only for muskie and the, the name muskellunge is an Ojibwe word for ugly pike when you translate it backwards. So that's why we picked it. It's not about pike, it's about muskie, the name Ugly Pike. And um, my buddy just comes over to me and says, I want to do a podcast. And I said, okay. And we just started doing it. And at this time, you had no, no were you still a corporate job life? No, it was just after. Just after. Yeah. And we're going to talk about your wine app in a second, yeah. your real estate stuff. And you're like, okay, let's just do this podcast. I was just like, yeah. You go into the guy's basement, your basement? So we built sort of a studio in his basement. And uh, I'll show you a picture after. Um, but it's a beautiful studio and it looks great. And uh, just by more beautiful than our studio here, well, I'm you joking, guys have I'm the jo equipment. You guys <laughs> have the equipment, but we have the ambiance. Um, <laughs> does anybody? Know I have what this the looks skull. Like? I have the skull silver right here. Yeah, we're gonna take a picture. All right. Uh, no, you know what? And and we just sort of outfitted his basement, and just by luck, one of my um, business partners out of Ottawa said, "Hey, uh, my buddy just passed away, and he gave me this stuffed 50-inch muskie." Do you want it? I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I want it. So we hung it in the studio, and uh, you know what? It, uh, it's been great. I told my friend, my co-host Chris, I said, if we ever, if we get a hundred downloads, I'll be happy. Hundred. Yeah, and you told people. me in your email just a little while ago, you're you're in the thousands now. Twenty, twenty, almost twenty-three thousand right now, in the year downloads, and we don't. We don't know what the hell's going on. People seem to love the show. You're, you know what? Let me, so let me back up a second. So for those of you listening, the reason that we know Frank is because somehow you found us for real estate stuff. How many years ago do you think, if you had to guess, would it be seven. like seven years yeah, ago? about seven. You bought some properties. Yes, we did. And, uh, okay, we're going to put that pit. Yeah, okay, your studios. Yeah, that's a nice studio. It's pretty neat. That's a nice studio. We'll, I'll get that picture off you. Yeah. We'll put it onto the page for this podcast as okay. well. So we we cross paths for real estate. You start working with somebody on our team. I don't even, I can't even remember. JP. JP Gulbis. Still my man. 
So J, you start working with JP, you buy some properties, you're working in the corporate job, buying some real estate, you're checking us out, trying to figure out who we are. Yeah, probably. We checked you guys out for a while. I went did to you? that free seminar like four times. You guys probably got, I think by the last time I you forgot. were saying hi by name to me. Do you trust us yet? I love just it when people, for come, the muffins. when people come more than once. It's funny because I just laugh and I'm like, if they're going to listen to Tom say, give the same jokes over and over. Yeah. Same jokes. Right? I have the, I have one set of jokes and I laugh at them every time. It works. It's always like the first time, every time. <laughs> so um, you, you were coming to us multiple times just to check us out to see if we were a scam or not? So my partner, Doug, in my real estate ventures actually flew to Vancouver to take um, to, to take a course or a seminar. That's right. I forgot you told us about that. With, with uh, somebody else. I don't even remember who it was. but um, And he was really pushing, let's do that route. And then I came to see you guys. And then I brought Doug. And I was sort of pushing, let's do this route. Um, the rent-to-own thing was very attractive to us at the time. Um, just for obvious reasons, I think, right? That was, if you're a new investor, that's a safe way to get your feet wet. It's relatively safe. Simple. And yeah. low cost and simple. Um, and so that's what we did. I mean, it took a couple of times at the, at the seminar, but at the end of the day, uh, we really liked the idea. We liked the team. We loved JP. We liked you guys and the rest is history. Cause I don't get the sense that you're like a trusting guy right out of the bat. Like, I feel like you do have to check people out a little bit. Well, I mean, yeah, I think so. I, I don't, it's a good thing. I'm not saying that as yeah, a bad thing. You know what? I don't, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust you tried, you tried it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're about to, yeah, but, to okay, but at the same time you're running. Oh, so th this real, you're doing this real estate stuff. You're, you're, you're in a corporate gig as well, but at the same time you had the jujitsu studio, no, the Brazilian yeah, jujitsu or you no, know what? I got to tell you, I had a pretty successful corporate career and I didn't really need the money. So the jujitsu was just, Hey, whoever wants to come and train can come train. It was next to no money. I wasn't advertising. I didn't care. As long as I had 10 warm bodies to help me get my training in, I really didn't care. It's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Where, where's, where's the place now? Braza Niagara Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Niagara Falls. Okay. And uh, I didn't really care much about it as a business. Um, but, like, you know, Rockstar changed everything for me. And, uh, um you know, the security that you get with real estate investments. I mean, at the beginning, it's rocky, right? There's no cash flow for the most. Totally. Unless you have a lot of money. But we're seven years later, and we bought on the downside of the madness, right? The last five years. And so we made some pretty good investments. And, you know, not enough to live off of, but enough that if disaster were to strike, um, I'm not eating craft dinner every night. But that's not really necessarily a bad idea. I like craft dinner. But uh, it's funny, you know what? As as I get older too, I'm like, I think I could survive off like if I didn't have a family because I want my family to have like a nice home, yeah. kids and stuff. But if I didn't have a family, I think I could be happy in a cardboard box somewhere with just oh, not much. Like, it. yeah, I really don't need much to be like happy. I don't like if I knew you and I could come and I had some time to come to do some BJJ stuff and like maybe have some craft dinner. <laughs> like I would, I would be happy. That's enough. Like I, I, yeah. I don't feel like I need much. You get it. You get a real change in perspective I think when you try to change your life and really give it a go on your own like you you I had an expense account I had a fancy car I had the life I was yeah. on planes I was eating this in fancy the corporate restaurants yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and uh I thought I was happy yeah, but yeah. I know I wasn't I know I wasn't now I you know you're the rock star message is something that changed my life and my perspective and um how, you know, how are you able to teach the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? What's your background? You started doing that when? 1994. 
94 and then you were training where after ufc 2 2 i called the gracie academy after i watched this skinny brazilian guy choke all these guys and i called his school and said yeah, can I come down for lessons? They're like, sure. Everyone, when, everyone was when, amazed, man. When, yeah, yeah. when Hoist was was choking, yeah. beating these big yeah. dudes. Remember like, that? Who is this skinny that little, little guy? dude yeah. in his gi? Yeah. Oh, yeah. smoke. So where did you go then? Where was this? Where was it? I'll did never forget. My 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 buddy friend said to me after he watched the first one. I never watched it, and I said, "Hey, how was that that fighting thing?" And he goes, "Oh, the Spanish." He didn't know. He goes, "Oh, the Spanish guy single handedly ruined everything." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, <laughs> "Okay, first fight, he fights this guy. He goes and trips him." And puts chokehold on him, it's over. And then the second match, the other guy comes out, he goes in the same thing, he trips him. He's like, he ruined it. And then, but we didn't really kind of realize what was happening. Oh, right? sure. No but one this, had really seen it. This was the start of a revolution. Right? And um, so I, I just, after the second one, I, I called uh, the academy and they said, come on down. And we flew down and. You flew down where? Where? New York? Torrance, California. You went to California. Well, I was lucky because in my sales job, I was able to pick my sales territory. So my sales tor- territory were all the best states for jujitsu, so I would I would go <laughs> down. I love that thing. That's that's great thinking right there. No one ever said why are you in Florida and California geographically makes absolutely no sense. So I would be I would be flying, <laughs> I would be flying to California, and the guy that works Arizona would be sort of crossing, crossing in the air, and no one really ever questioned that. So I rode the wave. And I did, I don't know, 40 trips down there and trained up and down the state at all sorts of different schools, met all sorts of different people. Like you just uh, walked into these different schools? Um, no, you, you don't just walk into these schools. Okay. You, you call them. Okay. And I had some good contacts. And so I was able to get into most of the schools I wanted to train at and, and sort of build my education. And, uh, you know, my father used to always say, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You know, a couple summers I didn't work. It really pissed him off. All I did was train. You're never going to make a living doing this, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is what end up, ended up really allowing me to make the leap out of a job job and into uh, what, but And you said you had really good contacts. Like what contacts? You just knew people in BJJ? Well, at the Gracie Academy, yeah. Okay. I, my instructor there. Okay, so well he known. made introductions to you. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then did you get a black belt? You Black belt? Black belt, uh, two, three, six, eight years ago. Eight years ago. Right. And then when did you, so then you're a black belt, so you're someone who could choke us out. Apparently. You're someone who can choke someone out at purple belt yeah, or, or, yeah. or an advanced blue. You're that guy. Okay. And then you open your place. At black belt, you're the guy who doesn't want to choke anybody because it's all you, Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah. the challenges are not the people on the street. It's the, all the people that come into your academy that want to test themselves, right? That after 20 years of, oh, got of it. being that sounding board got for it. these people. So you have people come into your place and want to test you? Almost every day. Do you get to a point um, where you don't want to choke people out anymore because it's so common you want to try to put more unique no. submissions on them? Choking is the final... It's the There's it's, nothing better. No nothing better, better feeling. Yeah, you right. could do an arm attack or a leg attack, whatever, but if that attacker's on PCP or some sort of stimulant, it's not going to stop them. Oh, I've okay. had my arm yeah, yeah, yeah. popped at my elbow. It doesn't even hurt. But you but go to sleep. Them, you're putting them out. Everybody goes to sleep. I've been put to sleep before in high school. A buddy great. of mine was judo. He was into judo. Yeah. And he choked me out and put it's me. Great to feeling. Sleep. Yeah. Uh, you take yeah. It happens stuff? pretty yeah. quick. I remember he said, "Put on this jean jacket," because I think he wanted the collar. Yeah, the collar. Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. And put on the jean jacket. We're around a campfire and just boom, and I'm down. Very cool. And then he ran. Where he went around the campfire, basically did to everyone around the campfire, all waking up at different stages. <laughs> oh my god! So uh, right yeah, I, I don't know if I no better way to pass yeah, over right beside a campfire. Yeah, I don't know right. if I advise that. But uh, anyway, so you have you open the school. So how long has your school been open? 
Oh, geez. Eight, eight or nine years now. Okay. And you weren't really, this was like a side thing for you. Yeah. Like I really started paying attention to it when I exited the corporate job. So two, three years ago. Okay. And I really started putting business decisions behind everything I did. Advertising. Um, I, I just formulated a strategy and everything got, you know, Demi Lovato got her blue belt. Now everybody wants to do jujitsu. It's, yeah. you know, it's so mainstream now. It's when people, but I just when look people at it, see a celebrity can do it. They yeah. All yeah. Think they but can, I also look at it this way and, and I'm talking obviously with no knowledge base other than watching UFC all the time. If you're going to pick one, I figure a, a Brazilian jujitsu is the way to go because if you're going to defend yourself in the street, it looks to me like the most real thing. Mm-hmm. Tackle somebody down and kind of have at it. Mm-hmm. Like well, very few yeah. times you're going to stand and trade punches with a guy. Especially if you're a 100-pound woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, two things. Number one, it's leverage-based. So you don't have to be strong, athletic, fast. As long as you do the techniques, it'll work. Um, my wife is 100 pounds. She can put a chokehold on me and I go to sleep. Uh, but she can't really punch me and hurt me. So um, the second thing is functional training. You can't. You know, Nick can't say to me, hey, I'm going to, you know, if we're doing some other martial art, I'm going to try and poke you in the eyes as hard as I can. Defend yourself. And then he pokes me in the eyes and pokes my eyes out. I'm like, okay, a good one. And Nick goes, yeah, I know how to poke someone's eyes out. Right. But in jujitsu, you can say, look, we're going to go. You can turn up the pace. You can turn. You can wrestle as hard as you want. And when that submission's on, you tap and it's over. So you can functionalize your training uh, to a real tempo. So it becomes a real skill. And a hundred pound guy or a girl can toss someone around like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always think about that because like, I'm, about, I'm about 200 pounds and I'm like, I don't know, someone's 100 pounds. Even if I don't know anything, I'll just stiff arm them away from me. Yeah, I mean, everything is harder. That's the hardest part, right? For it, grapplers is closing the distance and getting it down. That's the hardest part. But we, you know, we teach that as part of the curriculum. Yeah, everything's harder. But if you know leverage and you understand mm. it and the other person doesn't. I remember in high school, it was Anthony's friend, uh, this girl, Claudia. I remember her just flipping people. I think she was like about 100 pounds yeah. and she was throwing guys around. But if, if it's a 100 pound person. Look at Ronda Rousey. She yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But if it's a 100 pound person going against a 200 pound person that no, that is also trained in different a, in a similar, then it's then it's different, right? But when most people that you encounter have, they don't, some people, they can barely walk if they're so uncoordinated. Yeah, Never yeah. mind trying to stand up when someone that's skilled is trying to take them down, right? You'd be surprised at the, the difference in someone that's just a month or two in. What You'd be surprised what the common person is just unaware of in terms of just basic principles of balance. It's astounding. And the things, the, the quick lessons you get as a beginner are huge difference makers. How much confident, how much, how cool is it when you build confidence in someone? It's the greatest. Yeah. And especially my young girls in my kids' classes. So I had a girl, oh my God, I love her so much. She She's, uh, geez, I don't know what she was at the time, maybe eight years old. And her and her sister are just killers. And she, she comes up to me, she's all sad one day. And she goes, I'm just a joke. I'm just a joke here. And I'm like... I'm like, what? I pulled her aside. I said, you're not a joke. I said, you're, I said, first of all, take a look around in this class. I said, you, you show up and you put the work in every day in this class. I said, and it's paying dividends. You're not a joke. So we went into a tournament about two months later and she went in and usually in the kids divisions, it's, they win by points. They certainly don't win by chokes. Most of the time they're, they're very technical and complicated. And this little girl pulled off the most amazing choke victory in about 30 seconds. And she came up to me and I hugged her in the sidelines. And I said, great job. And I said to her, I go, do you know why that girl tapped? And she goes, why? I said, because 
you were imposing your will. You were in control to the point where she was no longer control in control of herself. And she sort of looked at me and her eyes opened and I said, do you think that girl thinks you're a joke? And the look on this girl's face, you've never again goosebumps talking about it, but it was uh, one of the most rewarding experiences of my teaching 25 years of training and teaching. It was awesome. So when you get these young girls who are preteens and dealing with so many emotions and, you know, everything that goes along with changes at that age. And then you you like that spark of confidence and there's nothing in this world like it. There's nothing like it. Nothing. I'm I'm That's I'm cool. loving just hearing the story, yeah. the confidence you're giving people. How do you oh, segue from okay? So you got the school operating. How do you podcast started a um, little while ago? School's been running. Um, the wine app. How did you get over to now? This how do you how are you juggling so much? So what's you know, the story behind the wine app? We talked about like before we talked about base hits, right? A mentor yeah, of mine used to tell me, yeah, yeah. you know, base hits, and I I used to bring him all these big ideas, you know, and he's like, no, 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 base hits, and it really really sort of defined my life. When I was working in my corporate job, my one of my design staff was a young kid, and he would always call me in his office because he's not a good communicator. He's an artist, he's a tech guy, right? And he would have all these horrible ideas and pitch me these horrible ideas. Oh, no, no, no. And then one day he pitched me this idea and I said, yes, let's do it. And so we spent that summer cold calling 75 wineries, drove to their doors. Because you grew up in the Niagara region. Yeah. So you knew the wine. Like you we just, knew where they are. Yeah. That's okay. it. Okay. We knew where they were. You had no connections. No. Uh, not really. Yeah. Okay. Not, not to all but one <laughs> but you know what we we went and we showed up at every door and we knocked at every door and every door greeted us with a scowl because we were two salesmen unannounced at the start of the season and we're the last people they want to see and we had some ux screens that we made and we said real quickly we want to show you these this is what we're doing this is who we are and we turned every single one of them. So the first version of the app came out about three and a half years ago. We pushed it to market. We had tons of wineries participate. So give, give people listening, yeah, like yeah. What, what, what's the idea? Well, um, hang on. Let me just finish my thought okay. because it's relevant to the whole greater discussion. Frank's um, great because he'll just go on and on. He's so passionate about his stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, you go. <laughs> we, uh, you know what? We had it to market and then we realized it was getting too big for our skill set. Our meager brains were not enough. Our meager wallets were not enough at the time, and we needed help. Uh, so what what it was is, or what it is, it's an, an app for both consumers and for wine owners. Consumers can read about wineries that are closest to their position, see what they're all about. Um, they can uh, do a route planner, make their own tours, basically get a feel for the terrain. Um, wineries can market to them in real time through selling experience passes and stuff. Uh, when you work festivals, we, we created a payment processor where we can sell electronic tokens so that the user doesn't have to wait in line at the festivals for wooden tokens and then get into another line to redeem them. You can skip that whole line. Um, so the, it's a two-pronged uh, app right now. Right now, just the processor is live because we were doing a, a massive facelift on the other half of the app. But that should be done shortly. The name of the app? Eno. O-E-N-O. Eno app. So the Greek word for grape, the root for grape is Eno. And you can get it on the app store right now. Yeah. Right now it's just a payment processor, but if anybody's headed towards uh, Niagara for some festivals this winter, yeah, you can just buy your, your tokens whenever. Skip the skip the token line. Because in the past, people, you have to line up. The wooden tokens is how it wooden was tokens. done? Yeah. It's you just get, like you, the olden days. Yeah. You buy these wooden That's tokens. Awful. Yeah. Okay. You buy the wooden tokens at a tent. 
I've never been to a wine. festival. I've been down to the wineries, but have you been to a festival? Not in Niagara. I've been to other drink festivals in, in the city, beer festivals, and there was like a, another drink festival at Sugar Beach a couple years ago that I went to. And so, but I, so I'm familiar with the, the, the process you got to go through. Yeah, the only wine festival. I mean, even Rib Fest does the same thing. You got to go line up for your ticket, then you right. got to go line up for the ribs elsewhere, right? It's That's a right. similar similar thing, a lot, a lot of those types of things. The only wine festival I've ever been to was um, in Siena, Italy. Um, and I remember oh, paying like. You. Yeah, I know, I know. I was backpacking. <laughs> he just said, he just purposely was asking me that just so he could share. The no, story. no, 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 no. You know why? Because oh no one came God. to my mind. Because we paid like I think we paid like five bucks to get in. Me and uh, me and Marco, a friend of mine, we go there. I cannot remember. Uh, we had we could speak no Italian. I just remember Marco trying to explain to somebody we're from Canada, and he started doing the shivering motion like we're from Canada. <laughs> and he was like he was rubbing his arms like that's the only way to communicate. And we bought all this amazing wine that would be really expensive here. Sure, but dirt cheap. Dirt, there, right? It was yeah. dirt cheap, yeah. and we got completely plastered. I remember crawling home on the cobblestone roads, like mm-hmm. on all fours, crawling, <laughs> crawling home through Siena, Italy, and then. And then these guys were in the square singing like war songs or something. I don't know if we were just so drunk that we thought something bad was happening in the square. And we remember telling we telling each other like we got to go around the long way. And we went back to our room, and uh, I shouldn't even be sharing all this stuff. But we, when we got back to our room, there, we, we didn't have a washroom in the room that we were we were sharing. You know, in in, in Pensioni is probably yeah, it was like yeah, a shared washroom. Yeah. The, but we had a sink, and he goes to the sink and he starts just throwing up in the sink. And then I go I I go I, I'm lying down in, in my we have. Ten two separate beds here and I'm lying down in my bed and I get up I'm like what's going on and I look over in the sink and he's throwing up and then I just start throwing up like Rah! and there's like just two of us throwing up and it was the best wine festival I'd ever been to that was, that was, that was amazing so anyway I've never been to a wine well, festival they're nice. Here. I tell you the, the ice wine festival in January in downtown Niagara on the lake there's one in in Jordan, I think too, but Niagara on the Lake, they closed down the street in the old town and the vendors set up tents and they have ice sculptures. It's a really nice, cool. it's a really nice event. It's really cool. I don't even drink wine and I go to it. But what got, what got in your brain? Like so many people are held back by like, I don't have the connections. I don't know how to make an app. You've never made an app. doesn't sound like you have yeah, any Yeah, you've always plowed straight you ahead. Just and, plow- and, and, anything, and anytime I've spoken to you, it just you've always come across as that guy that's just like, yeah, I'm just going to do this and that's it. Yeah, the amount of broken property in my house, when I, when I, I'm not good with my hands, and when I'm met with a challenge, I tend to go through it, and that's good and bad. It's bad for my property. It's good for my business endeavors because, especially with this app, we have... We what have, do you mean it's bad for your property? You're smashing walls in your house? Well, I'm not very good at fixing things, Okay, and so, you know, sometimes I try to force a round peg into a square hole, and it doesn't work out too well, so it's Where do just you get that? that, that, that which, which side of the family? I... My probably my mother, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a there's a bitter temper in there somewhere. It doesn't doesn't come out very often. Both parents thankfully. Italian? No, father is, and uh, my mother's um, Scottish. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, that's where I get the nose, the perfect nose. You just met our mom. You know she's Scottish. Oh, okay. Did you know we're half Scottish? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. we are. Holy crap. Yeah, um, it's not in your. Um, it's not in your uh, no. It's not in introductory. our spiel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. But um, otherwise, okay. I'd know that. But but yeah. So you're just stubborn. You get an idea in your head and you go with it. Yeah. And so like. Um, so how did you get the app? Because didn't you end up on talking to somebody from Dragons Den? Yeah. Wait. This is the part of the we pulled. So getting back to where I was, we pulled it after the initial launch because we needed help. We were sort of a victim of our own success. We didn't realize what was going to be. Uh, needed to keep this going on on the scale that we want it to be and so yeah I reached out to an old friend of mine who knew Bruce Croxon uh, out around 13 in Toronto and uh, went up there met Bruce 
amazing guy, really great guy. And um, I've been working with his friend, who's a friend of mine now. Um, he helped me build a team. We actually sold part of the company before it was even really anything on the relaunch. Uh, sold some equity to an app development house in Toronto who's helped us with the redevelopment and uh, pushed this version out now so that we could uh, monetize with uh, the token system. And uh, we're just trucking away. But uh, after the Grape and Wine Festival, we had a trial that worked. Had you ever sold equity in anything before? Uh, no. So, <laughs> so you just got a lawyer that helped you out? Lawyer, schmoyer. Yeah, yeah, you no, just figured I it out. I went there and made the deal. We made the deal with them. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, and uh, they have faith in us. So, um, yeah, I don't know. You're going to have to ask them why they made the deal. I just, uh, I think our concept makes a lot of sense. And I think. You also have a lot of conviction in your voice, Frank. Like, whenever I think so we talk too. to you, like, yeah. you, you're, you're, you have conviction. Like, when you're going to go into the real estate stuff, like, how many people have you referred to Rockstar and thank for doing Tons. that? It's because of the conviction. I know. Yeah. I know. We, you know, this but is you a. You guys dig well. You did well for me, and this is how I work. I mean, if if it's jujitsu or or the digital world or real estate, if if I find a partner that shows me results and shows sort of the same commitment to success that I have, then we're family. We're partners. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I can see that when when you ha and when you when you have that conviction in your voice, people just believe it. Like it's the number one thing I've always told salespeople. Yeah. I go, you're not doing well in sales because you don't believe what you you're selling. You want to hear something funny? You know where I learned that from? Of all the stupid corporate training I went through <laughs> and all the bullshit stuff that my partner used to tell me, I bought my first Audi <clears throat> when I started making real money. I bought a used Audi from a place in uh, from Faf in. Uh, geez, uh, um, they're big. They're all over the. They're place, all over the place. Yeah. I can't remember where one it was. of our friends works at Faf. So there's this kid. I remember he was younger than me, and he puts me in his car, and he was talking about this car, like he didn't care if I even bought into what he was saying. This was the greatest car, and if I didn't buy it, tough shit. The next guy was gonna buy because this was the best car, and just the way he talked about it taught me everything I ever needed to know. I never told this story before. He was a young, young guy. His name was Dave Kennedy. I don't know if anyone knows him. He's got red hair. <laughs> Man, this kid changed my approach to sales. And so from that day forward, everything I sold was, this is the best. This works. And if you're not on board, you know, there was a couple here from Florida earlier looking at it. And, you know, that whole approach, that whole oldest trick in the book. But, you know, if you have that conviction, people want to be a part of success. And that's that's the part of sales that not everybody gets. You have to know how to do that. But, you know, I'm not you have to also believe in what you're doing. Right. Otherwise, you can't you start faking that you're every other shitty two bit salesman. Out and there. a lot of people see through that, too. You, you, you can't fake it, especially now. I think people's guards it. are up more for that type of stuff. No right. doubt. There's just so much more information, so much access to everybody. And maybe now. that's what it is. Because before, you know, the big promises, everyone believed, you know, do nothing like sale. You know, here's the, here's the next cold calling secret for sales and stuff. And now when when someone offers to tell you that, you're like, well, what are you talking about? You yeah. know, it doesn't work. So maybe it's just more experience. I don't know what it is. But yeah, it's definitely changed. So everything changed for me that day. And I was a way better salesman after that day because I would sell my projects in my old job with that conviction. It was like, we're the best. And I'm sure that's what got the investors in the app as well, because you were convinced about the, about no the potential doubt. of this. No Ever doubt. since you've mentioned this app. This concept makes sense, though. We're, we've identified an industry that's functioning in 1975. The Stone Ages. And everyone in that industry admits 
that they need that this is coming and we're telling them this is the time so we've got a, a few approaches that we've made uh, to our sales approach there um, it's very hard herding these cats that are all the wineries. And well, they're all, all they things. all look at each other as competitors too, right? And you're trying to herd them all together. No, Tom, they, you'd be really surprised. Uh, a couple of times we've reached out to some wineries and said, you know, um, we want to help you do this. And we've had them come back and say, we want, we want this help to apply to the community and not just huh. us. We've, we've heard that from a bunch of different cool. wineries. Okay. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. But it, it the dynamic is very, very tricky. You have huge wineries and small wineries, all sorts of different dynamics and a lot of moving parts. So it's been, it's been very, very tough to nail down um, a comprehensive strategy. And so this is what part of what my days are, meeting with the board members and the winery owners and just because the end goal is out. I, the consumer, get the app. I can plan a trip down there. Like that's one of the things. I can plan a trip, choose the wineries I want to go to. They can put out promotions yep. to me through the app so then I can choose yeah. where I want to go and I'll schedule my own little tour. You can do that. We have a, we're going to bring in a social media aggregator so the wineries can blast out any real-time promotions and they'll be aggregated in the app. But that that is part of the user experience for the customer. That's not part of how we monetize the app. So customer downloads for free customer uses it for free until they buy something like an experience pass and so the idea is for us to become a payment processor among other things because then when i buy the experience pass now the wineries are selling something yeah. right and the experience pass is the replacement for possible wooden tokens is that what that is not necessarily no the experience passes can be whatever the wineries want, want it to be. to be okay so if frank and nick and tom all own wineries and maybe we are all like we all have the same hook we're all owned by the same parent company or we're all organics let's just say we can make an organics only experience pass and sell it in the app hey if you're only interested in, or you want to see what the organic experience is like in niagara you're going to go to frank tom and nick's wineries here's the pass going to get you a free tasting may the force be with you off you go you know so it's we're we, our approach is we're we're not going to the winery saying this is who we are. This is what you're going to do, how you're going to do your business. This is what everybody else was doing to them. Our approach is we have the best team because we do. We have a fantastic team of, of app builders and marketers, and you're going to tell us what you need this app to do to fix your business, and we're going to produce it. We're going to provide it. So this was the advent of the wooden token system, and we produced, and they are happy, and now they know that we're a bunch of doers and so now the level of interest is way up right now so the next few weeks are gonna be really big for us how you manage it you, you've gone yeah, but don't you do does your wife still have a flow you were involved mm -hmm. in that helping her i think it's hers though primarily she focuses on a flower business yeah like we a have flower a flower shop. store in niagara falls called the flower house and an online store called flowersender.ca right so you guys do that and you, you have an awesome program that I know Tom uses because somehow I still get reminders out of your calendar. Oh, Tom you? subscribes every year and you just automatically send stuff to his wife. That's Romeo Me, yeah. That's a, a concierge program for, yeah. for flower delivery. Which is really cool. So you're doing that, this app, and the, the jiu-jitsu stuff. Yeah, the online stuff really sort of And the podcast. Itself. And you're still consulting from your past corporate life. And real estate. And real estate. Yeah. Like you I've, went into the entrepreneurial life hardcore. Well, you have to have the base hits. Like, yeah. I'm not a millionaire with any of these. Well, that's not true. The real estate, hopefully, one day will position me, right? These properties are leveraged, right? But they've appreciated like crazy. But um, you, need, you need cash flow, right? So it's it's just what I have to do. I, I, don't, I don't really see it as anything 
difficult. I'm. Yeah, but you're just out there doing stuff. It's not like it, it seems like you would be wanting to do this type of stuff regardless. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like you, it's my nature. I think. Yeah, you yeah. just you want to be doing other things and creating and that type of stuff, which is cool. So it just it, it kind of aligns. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't see it as as almost like work. I especially with the fishing stuff, it's like I'm so determined to pursue my life interests and loves because I really, it's so funny how you get older and you listen to all these cliches and how they're true. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's yeah. so sad. When you're, when you're young, you yeah, just think it's, it's old, jaded people right. telling yeah. you stuff, yeah. right? You're like, what's Do this what guy you know? love. Oh, yeah, shut up, man. Yeah, yeah. I can't make uh, 500 grand a year doing what I love. Yeah, stupid, yeah. You know, and then you realize, you know, you get into your midlife crisis and it's like, wait a minute, time. Time is of no, the No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely Time with, right. with my loved ones and doing things I love is the only thing that matters in this world to me now, especially after having my daughter, Margot. So it's like the whole whole perspective changes because nobody was more driven, you know, than I was to be a good, successful corporate cog. I was that guy. I was going to – I was. I was. I lived that life. But I thought I had to figure it out at 25 30 but i didn't know i didn't know so how, how are you managing all this right now and, and i specifically for anyone listening to this who wants to start an app you knew nothing so did you just go hire developers online like did you go to the elance.com which is upwork now or whatever and just freelance this thing at the beginning yeah well i um so i was lucky because my partner joe um my buddy who was working at the corporate job with me he knew enough to put some screens together Okay, we so he can five, map out some visual screens. We had five screens of what our concept was, and nothing functioned. And uh, it was like, this is the app, and, you know, we would just You, you were taking this the to screens. the wineries. Yeah. They were basically like screenshots that you just swiped. Right. Yeah. You, so you basically had nothing. You had a graphic had designer. Yeah, that's I it. I love it. That's it. Okay, that's nothing. amazing. <laughs> and uh, sorry, what was, the, what was the question? No, like how did you get started? And it sounds like you oh, just sorry. did it. We, I don't know how we found this. We found some kid in Saskatchewan. We paid him some money. I had a lot of money back then because of the corporate gig. I invested a little bit of it, and um, we got him to crank out the first version of the app, and we got it to market. So we, I don't know how we found that. Guy. Okay, so now, oh, so that's the app get started. The podcast. Yeah. It's you and your buddy. Yeah, my friend Chris. Okay, and Chris then Walker. how do you reach out to the first guests? Because you had you have no listeners. We had nothing. Um, the first the, guest, the, the name's cool, so that worked for you. We we got. So there's an Italian, there's a, a Canadian fisherman. His name's Italo Labignan. He's, he's, if you, again, ever put a hook in the water, you know who he, who he okay, is. And that's why I don't, because Nick and I don't fish. Canadian no, sport fishing. All our friends fish. Okay, so the second biggest Canadian fishing show, maybe after Bob Azumi, but is Canadian fishing with Italo and Henry. This is a show that was an institution from my childhood and still is. Um, but Henry and Italo parted ways. Italo started doing his own thing. Henry did his own thing. And uh, I knew Hen I knew Italo was quasi local, so I I emailed him and I was just like, "Here's our studio." I said the pics. Yeah, we got yeah, a studio. Yeah. Studio looks good. Podcast. I said, uh, you know, if you remember any of the people that helped you on the way up, I'm asking you. We're just a bunch of guys. We don't do this for money. We do it because we love the sport. We have a new medium that's going to bring young anglers in, and we want your help. And he said, tell me where the studio is. I'll be there. And I'm like, great. So the studio <laughs> is in my friend's house. My friend's house is in the sticks in Stevensville, middle of nowhere. So where, where just, was he? Where was he? What do you mean, where was he? Where was he driving in from? I think he's in Port Colbert or something. Okay. Okay. So he, he must have been like 
driving his car, going, what, like, where the hell am I? Where am I going? So he slowly pulls up to a house, right? And he goes in, and he just must have been like, are these guys going to chop me up? What's going on? No one here to hear me scream. No na- no neighbors. Where am I? And uh, we're lucky because our ace in the hole was my, my buddy Chris's wife, who's a beautiful woman, speaks uh, perfect Italian, answered answered the door with uh, some capicol and some supersat and some cheese, and right away his face was like big smile, and uh, yeah we had to kick him out at the end of the day he wouldn't leave so it was uh, we had a great episode with him, had some laughs after and made a good contact and we were able to parlay him to the other celebrities and say look this celebrity came on the show will you, and then we started attaching. Like we and they a, all come to this house? No, a lot of them phone in. Okay. But okay. We've, had, we've had quite a few visitors, as, as you've seen in the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had, I don't know, a dozen or so people to the studio, maybe more. We're in our third, into our 36th episode now. And, um, yeah, so uh, we, we had a guy named Al Lindner on, who's the king of North. He sold his media empire, fishing media empire, for like $16 million. This guy is the king in, in North America. And... I called him because there's a, a bill that's going on in Minnesota that's really going to destroy musky fishing. And I, I, I called him and said, there's no way you guys are for this. He's like, no, we hate it. And I said, why don't you come on the podcast and we can teach people through your sermon how to object to their local politicians with the knowledge you arm them with. And he's like, great idea. So we got him. Why, on the what show. are they doing in the fishing there? Um uh, they're, they're not stocking anymore down in Minnesota. They're lowering the limit where you can keep a fish, the measurement Why? limit. Why? What's the, what's the thinking? Um, stupid cottagers that are frustrated that they can't catch walleye anymore blame it on the musky population. Completely apart from, it has nothing to do with what's really going on down there in science. Um, really uneducated and um, just uh, misguided, influential people trying to throw their weight around, if you ask me. And um, so the community rallied around this cause and, and we got Al to come on. And why that was important was up until that episode, we would only get downloads after we published. We would publish, we get 100 downloads on that episode, and then two, two weeks later, nothing. Two weeks later, we would release our next episode, get whatever. After that episode, we started getting continual downloads. So I'll sit at home in front of my computer and every 10 minutes I'll do this refresh and it goes up two or three four or five 20 or 30 and that's that was a real changing moment for our show now look i'm not really making any money off it we get tons of uh people sending us gear hey you want to test our gear out you know so hopefully that we'll mention it but we're about to enter into our first negotiation for a sponsorship deal for money so that's exciting that's on the horizon well Dude, I the, the potential deal. of your podcast could be huge I don't know. Like it's such a niche because it's only musky fishing. It's such a niche. Yeah, but that makes it even but better. That, yeah, that makes it that means more the people listening potentially, right? Yeah, yeah, that means the people listening are really into it. You know what, Tom? There's something, something in me that is just telling me the passions. Keep bur- your head down and go with this because I, I have a weird, weird feeling that this is going to turn into something that we're going to really be happy with. Yeah, you could be the big fish. Like, I mean, uh, the analogy is, uh, not, I don't mean it like this, but, you big know, I don't mean to be cheesy, <laughs> but yeah, big fish in a small pond. With Goddamn this, with cliche. This of, with, yeah, with, another with that type of thing. Well, you don't need, you know, you don't need to be the next, uh, you know, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, where you're, you're yeah. millions and millions of downloads to have a successful podcast and for it to lead to other opportunities for you, right? right. If you're in, in a specific niche and it works out. This is that whole I, doing I a million things. I think it's niche. I was going to say, I think the Americans say niche. Yeah. And we say I'm niche. more niche. Yeah. I'm, on, I'm definitely on the niche side of the fence. Uh, yeah. I hear niche so often. I know, but I, I, I really I like a niche. 
but uh, but hey, so here's what blows me up, blows me away with with the way you operate, is that everything you do is the action first and figure out the other stuff afterwards. And I can't tell you how many people that I've dealt with, they wait to figure out, to get all their ducks in the row before they do anything. And it's like the number one mistake, I think. Look, when you had the flipping app, you're selling the app before it's even created. He had yeah. screenshots in That's his photo I mean. album But on how his, many people that create an app yeah. are going to go and create the app and spend a year and a half creating the app and then realize that no one's going to buy the how damn thing How many people do anyways? we know who've done that no, kind of I thing? No, I know. I have a friend that almost had a nervous breakdown or slightly did. He developed a, a, a saw, um, it was a, basically it was way back, but he was, it was a website with all sorts of training, like different technology trainings for people to learn different things. Went and created all this stuff, got people overseas to create all these articles, videos, things like that. And it took him years, a couple of years, I think, maybe a year and a half. Got, um, this was now 18 years ago or stuff. So technology was way behind, wasn't as, all this information wasn't as easily accessible. Launched it, no one bought it. I meet up with him at a Jack Astor's. He calls me to meet up with him at Jack Astor's. I'm like, hey man, how's it going? He's like, hey, you know, not so good. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, well, he goes, do you know where I can rent scuba gear? I'm like, what? I'm like, what do you mean scuba gear? What you, you're looking for scuba gear? I'm like, why do you want to rent scuba gear? He's like, well, you know. He goes, do you think if you took a hard, if you went, if I found a hard drive that was in water, it would still work? I'm like, what are you talking oh about? God. So he took his hard drives because it wasn't working, and he went to Lake Ontario, some beach down in Port Credit area, and threw them into the lake. All that work that he had done. Because he did, spent all this time creating something that no one wanted, oh where it's the opposite. You create screenshots, you sell the damn thing. If people want it, you go create it afterwards. That was our right? way. The screenshots were a way of dipping our toe into the water, right, to see if there was an appetite for this. But I really think that that's the big success differentiator is those people, like, you can sit there and you can mind map a concept forever yeah. and, and, and second guess the details and pretend that you're doing something because you're getting people in a room and discussing concepts and, and revising and like, planning is good. Don't get me wrong, but you yeah, know, but to a point, put a stake in the ground. Yeah, and you're never going to have a hundred percent. It's like those people that are 30 years old and still in university, they become professional students. Like at one point you've got to, you've got to put this to the test and you've got to just do it. So um, I tell everyone you're going to get to 80% of anything. Like a lot of real estate investors obviously will come to us and they're trying to get all the answers before they begin. And I'm like, look, you're just never going to get them. Or they want you're going to get like eight out of, if you can get to an eight out of 10 stage, that's actually amazing. That last 20%, you have to jump and hopefully you're going to fly. Yeah. Cause they're because asking they're, for the, what's the best property I can buy in the best area right, right now. now. And I'm like, guys, there's no best area and best property, right? It's like, what's going to work you for you? You dive in that's and right. you hang that's on right. for dear life. Absolutely. You know? And Absolutely, and and it, this this principle. I mean, that's how the software companies be, generate billions of dollars. I mean, when I was in the software industry, they were selling stuff well before it was ready. The right. sales guys, we didn't even know. They just gave us the ordering document and said, "Hey, here's what you sell." We went out and sold it all. It was only when the customers would call later and say, "Hey, they, these features they don't even exist in the software." We would call the consulting side of the business or the tech support side of the business, and they would try to kind of figure it out. So these software companies were selling well. There was well, a term for it. Mike. It was called vaporware. We were selling like vaporware. There was a term for it. It didn't and they, exist, you mean? didn't exist. But the sales guys, we didn't even know. Look at Microsoft with Windows. They they put out Windows two days after the Windows releases. There was like There's major updates yeah. to it because it was a disaster. They're just like, shit, we got to get this thing out. So let's launch it. And so then we'll funny. figure it out afterwards. We're doing that with the app because what we did was we rushed we rushed the e the e token development part uh, in front of the rest of the redevelopment for the app, and so yeah, pretty soon you're going to see a lot of updates to that app, and you'll see it become whole. Right now, it's a it's a it's a 
payment processor and, and a ticketing solution that we can we can sell to any festival we just there's not enough hours in the day right now yeah it's, got it you have too much opportunity like like everyone hey um you keep talking about that base hit stuff where yeah. did that what, where did that come from my one my mentor my uh an old client of mine in, in my corporate life uh retired when he was 35 i mean if you see this guy he is very eccentric but super unassuming he wears shorts and a polo shirt and he goes to his athletic center and does his work and you'd never know that he is as smart as he is just by sort of looking at the guy but then you talk to him for five minutes and you realize like this guy he's the smartest guy i know and he you know just like my my buddy Joe that with the app would bounce these horrible ideas off me. I would bounce all these horrible ideas off of him. We have lunch once a month, he and I, and uh, he was the one who said, you just, you're thinking too much, too big, you know, borrow $4 million, do this project. You know, ugly Pike was going to be a brewery. It was going to be a microbrewery, a fishing lodge themed microbrewery. And he talked me out of that. And uh, I wish I would have gone forward with it because I still believe in the concept. <laughs> but when my buddy approached me for the, the podcast, I said, I got I got it ready to go. The brand, I got it ready to go. Um, but I started realizing it's it's relatively easy to create these small businesses and monetize them fast and then build them. And that's the easiest way. I looked at my paycheck that I used to get, and I used to say, I need to pull this from here, this from here, and I would build that paycheck again. So that, that was always my mindset. My property started flowing cash. After several years, um, we have an Airbnb that's doing fantastic. In, a, in a, like, Niagara it, on the Lake. So among the wineries and stuff, that's primarily yeah. so. Yeah, Niagara on the Lake. Yeah. Huh. How, yeah. What's the busy season in, for that in in that area? Like, do you get people in the winter too for like wine uh, weekends? Uh, yeah, yeah, ice wine and stuff like that. Just whatever. Yeah, yeah people coming. Um, it's the town is beautiful in the winter. People don't realize it's it's beautiful, but busy season, May to the end of October. Yeah, so that's long. That's we had a, that's probably eighty five percent capacity this October. Yeah, that's this month. really good. And then yeah. if you're still getting weekends throughout the uh, throughout the rest of the year, that 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 works out really well. Or we short term rental it in the winter. We'll do a short-term rental yep. to a professional or theater worker. What is this? A single-family home, two-bedroom home, yeah, two-bedroom home. Yeah, and how much ballpark? Like high season. What do you? What can you get on that? Um, weekends, three fifty a night. Weekdays, three hundred a night. Holy smokes! Yeah. Am I making a mistake yeah. telling a, a real estate investment network? Uh, no, no, no. That's fine. No, can you just tell us, more, please please tell us more? Please tell us more. Please tell us more. No, that's awesome, man. I mean, we know so many people now. All the, at our, our last event, we had someone, a couple of different people up there. One running a vacation property in Turks, and someone running some uh, some uh, Toronto condos. Uh, through short-term rentals as well, sharing their numbers and stuff like that. So we've already we've spoiled the surprise for a lot of people already. Yeah, I think one of the guys has like seven or eight condos. He's running it as his primary business, doing like fifteen thousand cash flow a month on seven to eight condos, all Airbnb. So like the whole air, we know people. If I could get ten of them, I would. I know. You That's know what the, the problem thing. is, Tom. Here's the big problem with real estate investing: when you become successful to the point where you can say, "Don't need my job anymore," you can't borrow money. I know yeah, it, it becomes the Canadian that's banks. The pain in the you, butt. Get, yeah. you get punished. I'll never forget when we quit, when we quit our jobs the day before we quit because we had high income, the banks loved us. Then we quit to help real estate investors. And we went from, we didn't even realize Frank, yeah. we went to help real estate investors right. and we went to try to qualify for our own properties. And the banks all of a sudden said, who the heck are you? Get, yeah. get lost. They would like shoo us Isn't away. It weird? If you're employed, you can lose your job any day. You've now proven, so you're a real estate investor, you've left your job because you've proven, you have your good credit, so you've proven you know how to make money and make it work and successfully do it and build a portfolio. So you need much more skill to be able to, knowledge to be yeah. able to do that. 
and they're looking at you as like the, the highest risk when someone can walk into their job, give their boss the middle finger and walk out the next day without a job. Yeah. A day you know after you know they've qualified for the property. Yeah. Or, yeah. or so, the boss can have a gambling problem or the company can be insolvent. They have they to choose something. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense. It, it, I know. They have to choose something. I mean, but yeah. I mean, we can argue about that all day. I just want to know, have you always been a learner? Like you went and learned BJJ stuff. You're, you know, you're always searching for stuff like, did you, have you, do you read a lot or like what's you? What? I read quite a bit. I read a lot in university, but I mean, I really do think at the end of the day, there's two types of people and you know, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu is the hardest martial art on the planet. It's so complex. It takes a long time to get Nick, you know, right. It takes a long time to get proficient, become proficient. Um, my black belt took me 16 years of hard work and hard studying and a lot of failure and musky fishing is the same. They call it the fish of 10,000 casts. Right now, I'm 60 hours on the Niagara with no fish. 60 hours, no fish. This is a fish that you hunt. It's it's impossible to catch. They're very, very difficult. It's hard to figure out, you know, the biology and, and, and the, the temperament of these fish. It's uh, debates that rage in the community endlessly. Um, but I think there's people that, gra that gravitate to the ultimate challenge in life because, because, and that's just I, I don't I don't want to go out there and catch a bass because everyone else is out there doing that and it's easy I don't I don't find any sort of satisfaction in that I want to climb those mountains and I want to uh, I want to win I just want to be that guy I, I don't know it just you stuck with BJJ for 16 years to get that black belt 16 years took me yeah. what 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 was the event that you get the black belt like you do something in a tournament or like what what is it that like no. finally who gave you the, the uh, you could compete and, and get promoted I'm sure but my my instructor uh, is um, a, a Brazilian American guy who was up here living at the time and uh, now he's since moved down to, to Texas to, and opened a successful school down there but um, it was time. I mean, I, I just went through the ranks, and he he trained with me and watched me train with other people, and and it was time. Man, yeah, that's what I understand. Long overdue. That's what I understand about it. It's more there's not like a, a set. There is some set criteria. You have to have the skill, but then it's mm -hmm. also just kind of like at their discretion of when the time. Yeah, is I notice right every once on in a while in the UFC, someone after a fight, someone will get their Woodley belt. Got it last time. Is that what it was recently? Got his yeah, black okay. belt and wept. Yeah, you know that yeah, was that really, meant more to him than anything. Yeah, and he said that after that meant more than the win on the of, of the fight. And I became a fan of his instantly after that. But you know, you go to your f first belt, blue belt, and usually it's just time. You can stick around for a year and a half to two years. Here's your belt. You've shown some sort of commitment. Yeah, purple belt is different. You got to wear that belt. It is the hardest belt, the single hardest belt in any martial art, in my opinion, to get is the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu purple belt because you have to. You have to be able to handle everybody else below you, and that that means a lot of tough people. And you have to demonstrate the first level of expertise, and then you get that belt. And that is the one that next to nobody gets. It's really tough. Hmm. You you have a daughter now. How are you managing? Margo, yeah. How are you managing your, your your time? Like, do you have a little strategy? <sighs> What's your morning like? Just survival. No, Drink you know, coffee I, in the morning. My wife is amazing with with our daughter. So you know, and I'm up way before they are. I get up. I don't. I don't sleep very much. I'm usually up anywhere between four and six a.m. I just get up. I open my eyes. I start thinking and forget it. It's over. So they'll they'll come down <laughs> when normal people wake up, and uh, you know what? I get to spend time with her, and then my wife takes her to work, takes her to the shop. So they, the girls go to work, and then I 
get on my machine or I go to my meetings. And if it's a Monday or a Wednesday, then I'm, I teach in the evenings and I'm home at nine o'clock. How old is your daughter? And you're, a year. And I, she goes and hangs out there with your wife? At the shop. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. And what time are you going to bed? Cool. That's a lot of work. That's that's not easy for her to, no. to, to be handling that. My wife there, is but. a rock star. Yeah. In the true sense of the word. word. She's an amazing uh, amazing mother uh, to our daughter, and she's she's really, really good at it. So for now, it's working out really well. But what, uh, what time do you go to bed? Around midnight. Coffee or tea? Coffee. You go to bed at midnight Coffee and get, first thing and in the get up between four and six? Yeah. That's not easy. How old I, are you I did right that now? for a number of years. I'm struggling with it. Yeah, really. I did that for about three years almost. almost. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to be able to sleep, but I'm 44. Hmm. So Coffee right first thing in the morning? Yeah. Espresso? No, just a coffee and then one during the day at one point, and that's it. Tea? No. Never? Never, not unless I'm sick. Wine or beer? I don't drink much. A little bit of beer here and there, but scotch if you want to. Have a drink one night, <laughs> but I, I rarely <laughs> drink. I, I don't like. How, it. how often do you fish? Whenever you can. Two three days a week if I can, mm-hmm. and they're they're eight hours. Eight when we go on our trips up north. That beard keeps you warm. Yeah, we go to we go <laughs> and and the sun sunscreen like there, it, there's yeah. a reason you know. But we go. We were up at Sioux Lookout this year, so you're two and a half hours north east of Dryden, five hours north of Thunder Bay reference yeah wow so we're out on that lake we're doing 12 hour shifts now this is not recreational fishing this is pulling baits that are eight to to ten inches that have a huge amount of resistance in the water to be able to disrupt the water column and it is back-breaking painful after an hour you want to die and we're doing 11 12 hour shifts out on the boat you're you're completely what what, what size of fish is biting on a bait like that we're going after 50s 50 inches Holy crap, man. Yeah, we're going You're serious. Monsters. Have you ever gone any like out west coast, like out in the ocean fishing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I fished uh, out in BC, the Fraser River for salmon. I was down in Mexico. I, I don't prefer it. I'm not good on the big water. I throw up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it. It's funny. <laughs> I, can be in, do it. I can be on a lake on huge waves and I'm fine because I can see the shore. But as soon as we get out to deep sea, I'm, I'm a mess. So musky, apex predator, freshwater fishing. There's nothing. But there's nothing. Like putting your hand in the gill of a fish that has a head bigger than yours. I can just see the look on his face, man. That's pure happiness. There's to you. nothing. There's nothing like the fire drill in the boat of getting it in the in the net, and people and everyone freaks out. It's just craziness <laughs> when you have a, a you have a fifty. We had a fifty-five inch fish tail dancing in front of the boat, so way right out of the water, right in front of us, fifty-five inches. Like that's you know that's a young adult. And just getting it in the net, and then you've got to unhook it and then bring it up for the pictures. I'll show you some pictures after, but um, it's awesome because you never see these fish. They never bite, and when you do, it's an event. So if someone wants to – so give it – is there an Instagram for the podcast? Yeah, podcast Ugly Pike. Ugly Pike on Instagram? On Instagram, yeah. Ugly Ugly Pike. Pike. At Ugly Pike. That's for the podcast. The Wine app? Wine app, Eno, O-E-N-O app. So O E N O app on Instagram as well, or in the wine uh, uh, app store. We don't have an Instagram. Okay, presence. so in the we app store, we have a Facebook for that. Okay, and you know, you, you guys taught me that not all social medias are avenues are perfect for different venues. So fishing is visual. The fish, the studio, boom, Instagram, you know, app. There's only so many visual things at play here. We want people to see the app and what it has to offer. Facebook. Uh, so we're on Facebook with that and. Um, what else? Your uh, BJJ, BrazzaNagraBJJ.com. We have a uh, Facebook and and website, and no Instagram. 
Okay, we'll link that all on the podcast okay, page cool. for this, all of those things. And the flower shop. Might as well do the oh my flower God, the flower shop. shop. Yeah, flowercenter.ca is really what. You can't even keep track. You can't keep track of your own family's businesses. No, no it's uh, well, you know, Adriana, she does most of the flower related stuff. So yeah. fun to watch you doing your thing, man. If you had to look back to the Jeez. Frank at 21 years old, what would you tell that guy? Oh, base hits. How yeah. can it not be base hits? And jeez, oh, I don't want to say do what you love. I don't know, like <laughs> so stereotypical. You know, but it's, and I don't know that it applies to a lot of people because I have a real. Well, I think passion in your twenties you have to learn some skills too. So in your twenties you have to pick up some skills. Like I think the only way we were able to get to this point in our lives, not that we've made it in any sense of the word, but I mean, if I didn't get some of the sales skills, some of the business skills, some of You're the right. marketing skills, I wouldn't be able to put them into play to even get a base hit. Like I didn't yeah. have enough skills You're to right. even get, hit the ball. It's a really good right? point. Right. So the twenties yeah. to me are the time when you're getting skills. I tell this to my yeah. son all the time. Hey, go work everywhere. Don't don't look down on a corporate job. Go get some skills in all these different places. And you know what? Like sales is really important because yeah. if you can sell, you can do anything. Anything. And well, not, you can, any not anyone can do it too. Yeah. It's very hard. And you to can find cross industries. Salesman. Yeah. Right. Look well, that's me. how you can do what you love. Because if you can't sell what you love, if like you need to be able to sell what you love, it doesn't have to be a product. It can be a service, whatever it is. You have to be able to explain it in a way that people are willing to exchange value of it. And often, if you want to make a living off it, it's got to be some sort of money. You have to be able. Those sales skills are like the number one most important yep. skills you can have. I agree. So I it's agree. not about not doing what you love, but it's it's, it's to, to your point. It's about ha getting gaining the skills to be able to do what you love and realizing also that. Doing what you love doesn't mean that like, you know, every minute of every day is going to be doing tasks that are like the best tasks in the world. Yeah, that's like true too. there's some yeah. shitty things that you got to do to be able to do what you love. Yeah. But just suck it up and do it. Right. That's the, that's the path you got to go. That's to. really good. That's a really good point. And I think that's you can't glaze over that in your 20s. I mean, in my 20s, I made I built a career and made the money that allowed me to make my real estate investments and to meet you guys, which is really the tipping off point for me was the moment where I realized I think I'm doing this wrong. I think I need to, uh, you know, I, I want to work for myself and, and real estate was the catalyst that gave me security. And so meeting you guys, that was a big part of it. But uh, if I hadn't have done what I did in my twenties and had a little bit of money to, to invest and, and the know, sales skills to be able to do skills, it, right? of course, I didn't realize how, I didn't really realize how valuable that was going to be. I remember when they hired me, they're like, oh, you're going to be, I'm like, I, I applied for business development. I don't want to do sales. Don't put me in sales. And they're like, yeah, yeah, just, just do this for now. And, and before you know it, you know, I'm full on sales mode, but, um, it turned out for the best. Really Frank, good. man, appreciate you. We dragged you from Niagara to do this. Really, man, it's My a two-way street. Thank you. I can't wait. We'll have you on again with all sorts of updates on all these businesses. Hopefully, I'll be driving up in my uh, Aventador. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I just want to be in a pickup truck with the damn fish in the back. You don't need the Aventador. That, that's better. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Okay, guys. Thanks. Hey, so hopefully you enjoyed that episode with Frank. Um, you can get to all of his URLs and stuff at uh, Rockstar Inner Circle dot com forward slash ungaro u-n-g-a-r-o so rockstar inner circle dot com forward slash ungaro as you heard he's just a great guy and uh, for any other real estate investing type information rockstar inner circle dot com is the home for that we have articles on there blog posts on there uh, videos on there digital copies of our book on there if you want to come out to our class and meet us nick and i are both at that class we run an introductory real estate class about once a month in the in the oakville offices here um, so you can come out and meet us 
and chat real estate. Uh, we've met thousands of people through doing that class over the years. And uh, you can get access and register um, for that class at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's your home for tons of Canadian-specific real estate information shared by people um, who are actually doing this stuff on the streets. So that's at rockstarinnercircle.com. I think that's it for today. Until next time, your life, your terms.